This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Mallory, and this is my Swing Trading the Stock Market podcast. I'm here to teach you how to trade in a complex, ever-changing world of finance. Learn what it means to trade profitably and consistently, managing risk, avoiding the pitfalls of trading, and most importantly, to let those winners run wild. You can succeed at the stock market, and I'm ready to show you how. Hey, everybody. This is Ryan Mallory with Swing Trading the Stock Market, and I got a good episode for you guys today. So, previous episode, we talked about having a good history of trading decisions. This episode, we're talking about how one bad trade can ruin a good history of trading decisions. This isn't from an actual email. This is actually from somebody I know, a close friend of mine. And he's always emailed me or texted me or called me, you know, about the stock market, especially when, you know, things get a little bit hairy out there. He's like, Hey Ryan, what's going on in the market here, man? Is this a time to be buying? Is it a time to be selling? What do I do? And he's always really interested. He likes to know what I'm doing. Um, I'm going to call him Silas. That's going to be his name for this episode. I'm not going to use his real name. But uh, Silas, a good old Florida boy name. We'll use that for this particular episode. And he is the ultimate Robin Hood, bro. Not from the rah-rah, stonks only go up kind of thing, but just the mentality of, I can't sell a losing trade. I can't get rid of a losing trade. That's the hallmark of a bad trader. You have to be willing to get out of your bad trades. And it's really not a bad trade unless you let them to become a bad trade. When you let a losing trade become a bad trade, that's when you're up a creek. Losing trades aren't always bad trades. Sometimes you can manage them really good, and that's actually a good trade. It may not be a winning trade, but it can still be a good trade. I've had plenty of good losing trades. I have losing trades all the time that are good. And it's the hallmark of managing the risk, knowing when the charts tell you to get out, to get out, following your stop losses, using risk-reward, and just really not being biased towards that particular chart or that particular stock. I also think, too, we get a little bit giddy about certain stocks. We get giddy about Tesla. We get giddy about Neo. We get giddy about Facebook or Amazon or Apple or any of the FANG stocks. When in reality, a chart's a chart. A chart's going to tell you one thing. It's going to tell you it's bullish. It's going to tell you bearish. It's going to tell you it's neutral. But we start attaching these feelings with like a Tesla stock or like an Amazon stock or Peloton or one of those solar stocks out there. It's human nature to feel like a sense of attachment to particular stocks. And and I'm guilty of it too. There's stocks that I feel a little bit more interested in than others. No doubt about it. But I have to let the charts do the talking for me. If I'm going to trade it, the charts need to show me to, that I need to trade it. So I received a text from Silas the other day. And, you know, it, it goes back to probably a few months ago when the market was showing a little bit of a toppiness, a short-term toppiness. It didn't play itself out. It had a little bit of weakness, but ultimately, as we know, the market went back up to all-time highs. But in the process, I started shorting the market through some inverse ETFs, right? So I got into SH on the long side. And when I say shorting the, the market, it's really I'm using the inverse ETFs to do that. So I got into SH and he at that time was like, hey, what are you buying? I told him SH. He's like, oh, I got to get into some of that too. I got to get into some of that. So he did. He was like, hey, will you tell me when you get out of it? And I said, yeah, I'll tell you when I get out of it. And so I did tell him when I got out of it. I actually traded it multiple times, uh, some for uh, wins, some for losses. Uh, it wasn't an easy trade by any means, but I ultimately got out uh, the last trade for a loss. 
But I received a text from him the other day. He's like, man, I'm screwed for holding SH. Well, yeah, you are because you continue to hold it, man. You can't do that stuff. You got to go into the trade with an exit point, especially if you're short, man. Markets historically are going to go back up. And then he asks me, what do you think about getting on that MFA train? And I was like, oh boy. You know, this is like a sub $10 stock. It's uh, extremely volatile. It was insanely volatile during the March, April time period. But he asked me that and I told him, I said, me personally, I don't trade stocks under $10. And he says, give me a good one to look at. I said, look, MFAs rallied nicely of late, but you have to plan trades out before you get in them. You just can't go into them blindly. And I told him, I was like, I don't have any that I'm getting into today. And that was true. I, I, I said I had previously gotten into Halliburton and it's rocking today, sold a third of my position, you know, when I was writing that particular text. And then he wrote me back and he says, I made 22 trades this year. 21 were winners, one loser, SH. I don't know what to tell him. It's not about the win ratio. I mean, win ratio is important, but if you're not managing the risk, the win ratio means nothing. Absolutely nothing. Because here he is. He's had 22 trades. 21 of them are winners, but one of them are losses. And you want to know why he's got so many winners? He won't sell a losing trades. Long as I've known this guy, will not sell a losing trade. And you know, he's got, he's got this SH trade and he's losing big on it. He wanted me to tell him when I was getting out, I told him, hey, I got out of it today, right? He didn't want to hold the stock forever if it went out. That was his plan. But then once it came to the point of where he had to admit that he was going to lose on the trade, he couldn't get out. Why? Because he couldn't admit defeat. And a lot of times it's like this with athletes when it comes to trading. They are so bent on winning. And he's a good athlete. He's, he comes from a family of athletes. But so oftentimes when you're hell bent on winning in life or in sports, you try to take that same mentality into the stock market and you just can't do that. In sports, there's really no reason to ever be willing to lose, to fight it out to the end. But in the stock market, that's going to kill you because there's no like end to the clock. It's not like, okay, you lost on that trade. We'll have a fresh game for you tomorrow. You start back from scratch. No, there's not a season. There's not a game. There's not a quarter. You hold on to a losing trade and there's a good chance if you don't sell it, you're going to just keep on losing and losing and losing and losing. And it's that one trade that can wipe out a whole history of good trades. Before I get any further, I want to tell you real quick about swing trading the stock market. This is one of the means of which supports this podcast, and it's where I provide you with all of my market research that I do every single day. I'm talking about multiple updates on the stock market each week. I'm talking about updates each week on the, all the FANG stocks. That's Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, Google, Tesla, and Microsoft. I'm also providing my personal watch lists. I'm providing you with my daily setups that I'm looking at. I'm also going to provide the most interesting charts that I come across each and every day. If I find an interesting chart that I say, okay, maybe there's a setup here. This is something that you want to be watching going forward. Pay close attention to. I'm going to put it out there for you. But that's through swingtradingthestockmarket.com. It helps support this podcast. I appreciate it if you go check it out and see what you think. Now, back to Silas here. As long as I've known him as being a trader in the stock market, and it's not his full-time job, thank goodness. He's always bragged to me about how he's never had a losing trade. And you know what? It's funny. is He's correct. But he couldn't be more wrong for it. He couldn't be more wrong for it. And why? Because he's never been willing to sell a losing trade. I kid you not. He bought GoPro years and years ago when it was over $90 a share. It's now trading at $6.82 a share. And he dumped a lot of money into it. When it was going down, he dumped more money into it. He was doubling down. He was averaging a loser. And you want to know what? He kept losing money. A lot of money. Why? Because he couldn't take a loss. Now, what if he would have taken a loss at $80? Okay, let's say he took a big loss, but... He stopped it at $80, okay? Well, he could have saved himself about, I don't know, like 74 more dollars worth of pain to the downside. Very recoverable. But that one trade wipes out a whole host of trades. And it also goes back to the whole thing about position sizing. You got to know how much money you're going to be putting on each one of your trades. 
I'm not a big fan of saying, okay, I believe in this stock. I'm going to put 10 times more money in this trade than I am in this trade. Because to me, a chart's a chart. I'm trading the charts. It goes back to like having this bias. Oh, I just like Apple so much. I'm going to buy more Apple than I would of Halliburton or whatever. Now, here's the thing. When the charts don't show me that they're willing to behave right, and I've been in Apple for about the better part of this month, for the past two weeks, I've been liquidating more and more of my shares. Why? It's because the chart isn't going anywhere. Now, it may still break out. The chart's not breaking down, but I have less and less confidence that it's going to break to the upside. So I'm reducing my exposure into the, the trade because the charts are telling me to do that. But I didn't get into Apple because I said, well, I really like Apple. I like the iPhone 10. I know it's not going anywhere. It's a good company. Tim Cook, or some people say Tim Apple knows what he's doing. I'm going to double my position. I know that that gets a lot of people in trouble. You just can't do that. You really can't. Now, I don't know if he got into MFA. I'm, I'm really honestly scared to ask because I know what I'm going to have to tell him. It's like, dude, you should have planned it out. And there's a good chance that he did get an MFA and he didn't plan it out. And while the stock has been rallying of late at $3 a share, there's a good chance that it could see further downside. And if it is, where is he going to get out? At? Is he going to know to get out? I don't think he will. 22 trades, 21 winners, one loss this year. But he won't count it as a loss because he didn't sell it. I disagree with that. You do have losers in your account. I've actually seen his account. He's got some horrendous losses in his account. He's got stocks that have gone down to like 0.0001 cents a share. And they were trading at, you know, well above like $10, $15 a share at one point. But they've just gone out of business. But he still has got those shares. Probably should just double down on them at that point. <laughs> but uh, no, seriously though, he he can't take any losses and it's not a good thing if you're a trader to have that mentality because that mentality, you're just giving money away to the market. Yeah, you may have 10 trades in a row. You may have 15 trades in a row. But when you're counting only the trades that you close out and then you've got a whole host of losing trades that have no chance of ever really coming back, but you're not selling them and you're not counting those as losers, that's ridiculous. You can't do that. My bourbon for today is bullet bourbon. A lot of you guys have probably already had this one. It's a really popular one. It's 45% alcohol, 90 proof. It's a Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. I'm pretty sure I've had this a few times. I think my brother likes it a lot. And uh, when I go up there, he'll, he'll make me a drink using it. But nonetheless, I'm going to give it a shot here. I'd say it's like along the lines of Larceny, Knob Creek, Buffalo Trace. I actually think Buffalo Trace is a little bit on the harsh side. Not a huge fan of it. But this one here, right along the lines of a Knob Creek or a Larceny, it's good. It's middle of the road. It's known for having a good price point. I think it's probably as good with your mixed drinks, like if you're making an Old Fashioned or a Manhattan, as it is just drinking straight up. But if I'm going to drink something on the rocks or just neat, I'm probably going to go a little bit better. Um, not no offense to Bullet Bourbon. I think it's a good bourbon. I like it more for make, making mixed drinks. That's just my pre personal preference. But it's still good. I mean, I'm enjoying it right now. I like that rye taste that it has to it. It's nice. It's, it comes across actually as smooth at first. And it just has like a, this little consistent like punch. But it's not too overwhelming. It won't overtake you at all. It's good. I would, I would say on this one, I think on the last episode I gave Paddleford Creek like a 5.9. I'm going to say I'm going to give this like a 6.2. I think it's good. I, I like the one that I did in the last episode, the Paddleford Creek. I think I gave that like a 5.9. I think this one is slightly better. I give it about a 6.2. Still a very solid bourbon. I may experiment a little bit with it on my old fashions, though I'm still kind of partial to the Knob Creek on my old fashions, mainly because it's 100 proof. I don't know if it'll be as good because this is like 90 proof. I like a little bit more of a punch on my old, old fashions there. So back to my friend Silas here. The guy kills me, man. I tell you, I, I, I think that he could actually be a really good trader. 
I think he's pretty cool, calm, and collected, but he can't let these losers go, man. He has to hold on to them because he feels like there's some kind of like moral victory by never selling it. It's like, never going to go up on you. It's like, um, he's got to be like that chick from Titanic, right? Rose Dawson, where she'll tell him that she's never going to let go, but then she lets go of him and lets him sink to the bottom. He's just got to do that with like GoPro, with SH, and some of these other trades that he's losing on. You got to be like, look, I'll never let go, but my heart, Celine Dion style, has got to go on. And that's what he's got to do. I hate to quote Celine Dion in a podcast. But seriously, though, to, to, to bring the illustration home here, he needs to let go. He needs to let these traits just sink to the bottom. Forget about them. Sink to the bottom without him. Because if you continue to trade like this, and I know there's a lot of listeners on my podcast that are in the same exact boat. You can't let go of the losers. And the worst thing is, is when I get these emails saying, hey, I bought stock XYZ at $100 and now it's at $40. What do I do? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. What, what are you supposed to say to something like that? Because if it goes down to $40 and you say, oh, gosh, I mean, it's a big loser. You might as well sell it, you know, and just get out of the trade. Yeah, probably the best thing to do. But then it goes right back up and you look like a moron. The guy could have made another like 20 bucks on the upside, still a loss, but he could have like cut his losses a little bit more, right? By like a third. And I'm just speaking hypothetically here. But once you get to that point, it's it's almost too late. You, there's no right decision. That's why the right decision is following your plan from the start. You have to follow your plan from the start. Before you ever get into the trade, you have to know where you're going to get out when it gets bad. At some point, the trade's going to get bad. That's why I always get out of every one of my trades. I don't get out of my trades because the trades are going good. I get out of it because they're going bad. Now, I'll take some profits along the way, but ultimately, my exit is going to be because at some point, the stock finally started to pull back some, and I had to get out. I expect every trade I make to be a, a royal loser. And it's that mentality that keeps me focused on the risk. The risk, people. The risk, the risk, the risk. you got to focus on the risk. So, again, Silas, 22 trades, 21 winners, one loser. What's that loser? SH. He didn't get out of it. What does it do? It wipes out all your gains. Wins are great. Okay, I love having a winning trade. But you are defined as a trader by how you lose. It all comes down to how you lose. If you lose small, your profits and your winners are all that more greatly enhanced. But if you lose big, your profits don't matter. It's just going to buffer a little bit of those losses. And here's the thing. A lot of those winners that he had, they were royal losers. They come back. A lot of times your stocks will come back from losses. That's just the natural propensity of the market. It goes up over time. But for me, sacrificing time in a losing trade is not worth it to me. I'd rather lose quick, get out of the trade, put my money towards the next trade, see that it takes off. And then my capital is actually increasing because I got out of a stock that wasn't doing anything for the time being. It was actually losing. I took that money out. I put it into a new trade. I planned the risk on that one. That one goes higher. And now I'm making money. I don't want my capital, even if it does eventually come back, I don't want my capital stuck in something that's losing for a long time because it's just opportunity cost. It's what you could have been doing with that money had you not been in that losing trade and had you not stayed in it. I mean, if this guy could win 21 out of 22 trades, he'd be a legend. But no, what's happening is, is that he's staying in it long enough for it to come back. And then he may be a winner on 21 trades, but guess what else he's doing? He's getting out as soon as it gets just a little bit above break even. It's like, oh, I, I made five bucks off the trade. I'm getting out of it now, but it's a winner. I'm glad I stayed in it. No, you could have like got out for a small loss, avoided the whole drawdown, and you could have put it into a different trade. 
And I know there's many of you guys out there that are like that. You're like, well, I'll just wait till it gets back to break even. I've heard that so many times, but that's a horrible mindset to have in trading when you're dealing with a losing trade. If it's losing, get out. If it hits your stop loss, that's when you get out. That's why you got to plan these trades out. And when they do come back and you sell it, it's for marginal gains. But then when you get that one big loser, what is it? It's like a 95% loser sometimes. Maybe it's an 80% loser. Maybe it's just a 50% loser. I shouldn't say just a 50% loser. 50% is freaking huge. But nonetheless, it wipes out all those marginal gains that you had in a whole bunch of other trades. So remember, one bad trade will wipe out a history of good trade decisions. What do you do? You have a good history of making good trading decisions without that one bad trade. Because one bad trades will do it every single time, guys. If you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure to leave a review in the Apple platform for podcast, or if it's on Spotify or Podbean or any of them. Just make sure to leave some feedback. I really appreciate all the five stars that you guys give me. It means the world to me. This is what I do for a living. I trade. I talk stocks. I love doing it. So I really appreciate your support. I love helping you guys and teaching you guys. I love taking your emails. I was probably a little bit harsher on Silas today, but it's probably because I've known this guy for like eternity. So I don't feel too bad. You'll probably hear it, get a good laugh out of it. And uh, I'll probably be the brunt of one of his jokes one day. But in any case, there's a lot to learn from this. Make sure you hear what I'm saying. Thank you guys and God bless. Thanks for listening to my podcast, Swing Trading the Stock Market. I'd like to encourage you to join me in the Share Planner Trading Block, where I navigate the stock market each day with traders from around the world. With your membership, you will get a seven-day trial and access to my trading room, including alerts via text, email, and WhatsApp. So go ahead, sign up by going to shareplanner.com slash tradingblock. That's www.shareplanner.com slash tradingblock. And follow me on Shareplanner's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, where I provide unique market and trading information every day. If you have any questions, please feel free to email me at brian at shareplanner.com. All the best to you, and I look forward to trading with you soon.